From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. Wallet Watch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games, delivering financial topics in a fun and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Devante. We're so glad you're here. Hey, friends. Hey, Devante. How y'all doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Excited that we're like on our last episode of this season. Yes. So cool. Can't believe it. So how have you all been feeling? I've been feeling really great about this season. Kind of just looking back at all of the episodes that we've created and it's really happy with how it's turned out so far. It's been a lot of fun to meet everyone that we have highlighted during the podcast and get to know how they can be a resource for us as employees and and members and learn about everything that the credit union's doing. So hopefully it's had an impact on everyone and and made some positive changes. I like that. Definitely pretty much same here. It's just amazing to see that this started off really as an idea from our African-American affinity group. And they were like, you know, well, let's do something that really highlights diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it was just going to be an episode. And after a conversation, after a brainstorming meeting, we're like, well, let's do a season. And now here we are. So just goes to show those ideas really turn from, you know, that idea stage to how they can come to full fruition just from encouraging and driving that. So I have a statistic to share with you all. Okay. Which was, this was very surprising. So one, I know that DEI and Amanda taught us this, that it's not just focused on racial identity or sexual orientation or socioeconomic status and things like that, but really each and every person is integrated into that DEI thought. Mm-hmm. But this really was an interesting statistic. So according to whattobecome.com, the millennial generation is more diverse than baby boomers. So 72% of baby boomers identified as white, while only 56% of millennials actually identify as white. So I think that that also shows the importance of these types of conversations and the opportunity to evolve it outside of race, but it also shows that as we've all become more integrated with one another and things like that, the racial identity has kind of is spread. It's not just these three boxes anymore. I think that also speaks to the importance of DEI. Definitely. I feel like the need is changing as people are changing. Like you said, we're evolving. We identify differently now more so than ever. So, I mean, that statistic makes a lot of sense, which holds a lot more value to DEI and the conversations that we're having. That way we know how we can relate to one another and support one another as those allies. Yeah, and I think when I, kind of when you were reading that statistic, I was thinking, who makes up the workforce now? And how that change from the millennials not identifying as white, having more diversity in that 
statistic, how is that going to impact the workforce and companies and the policies that companies have as well, which kind of might be the theme of this episode. One of the core values at the credit union that we have is to encourage, embrace, and drive change. And that core value and all the other core values that the credit union have, I think are really, really important to create this inclusive work environment where everyone can feel safe, which will then, you know, as we talked to Amanda Denny at the beginning of the season, feeling safe is going to allow them to be more successful. Absolutely. Interesting that you say that. I'm the statistics man today. So a Glassdoor 2020 survey showed that three out of four job seekers and employees report that a diverse workforce is an important factor when evaluating companies and job offers. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big number, right? 75% mm-hmm. of people that took this survey or that participated in the survey, they were job seekers and employees, show that that is something that's important to include within the workplace, understanding that. So when we talk about encouraging, embracing, and driving change, I think that we are, of course, helping to do that. And I think we help to do that with this season as well, by allowing or giving people the opportunity to talk about those things and having the opportunity or the fortune to talk with them and so they can increase our knowledge. Well, and when I'm thinking about that, there's so much more of a need for people to want to feel like they belong where they work. They want to bring their true, authentic selves to work. And it's more than just saying, hey, we have someone who's in charge of DEI. It's more about how do you do it? What things do you have in place? And I think a lot of those people now who are looking for jobs, they're trying to to find out or ask some of those questions up front, what do you have in place? And encourage and embrace and drive change that core value that we have, the way that we put it to practice at the credit union with having our affinity groups and spotlighting it on our podcast. And, you know, we're actually able to, you know, walk the walk rather than just leaving it at talking the talk. So I would love to hear what your favorite season takeaways are things that you learned as we interviewed all these different people on each episode i personally really had a lot of fun talking with glenn mcintosh during our being a change agent episode he had some really great resources that he shared with us for students at ou and the more that i work with representatives from ou the more I realize like how much of a change they're truly making in their students' lives, which I think that is so great because so many universities don't invest as much as what OU does. So I think it's really great that he was able to kind of spotlight that during our conversation with him and just his ability to, you know, tell the story but connect it with everyone. I feel like Sometimes when we're talking about DEI, I don't always feel like I'm part of any specific affinity group. Like I don't always identify being a white woman, but in talking to Glenn, he just made me feel a part of the conversation. It spoke to me. And I feel like every single one of us, we had conversations about how, wow, I really feel like I gained a better understanding because I connected with what he was saying in some way. Same thing with Eric from Rendy Progress Capital. Uh, when we were talking about including the excluded, I appreciated how he saw that there was a need within his community and he took that step further. And as Glenn was talking about being a change agent, 
Eric was really kind of that embodiment of being a change agent and saw, okay, how can I step it up and provide a resource for a group of people that is facing a lot of adversity when we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And in doing so, it also helps to facilitate making sure that those different cultures are instilled in those communities and preserved in those communities. So those are some of the two that I really appreciated, but uh, what were some of yours? So before we go on, I want to stop at some of those. Um, yeah. Like that, that first one when you talked about the investment and how we felt on that interview with Glenn, I absolutely have to agree. I was like, oh, what can I do differently? How can I be a better person? And when I thought back on my experiences at OU, OU was truly the place, and I think this goes for a lot of people when they go off to college, Mm -hmm. it was truly the place where I learned the meaning of authenticity. Growing up, a lot of what was ingrained in me was what's called, you know, that code switching. And we've talked about that before on the podcast, but it's really just in your mind figuring out what's going to make me fit in the most within the majority of who I'm around. And it's like you get the furthest away from, I don't really like this word, slang that you may speak, but just a different vernacular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you talk this way. And I think that to a certain degree, Um, because it's ingrained in me so subconsciously I still do it but I think that OU was that change in me that said you can absolutely be yourself and it's okay and if someone doesn't accept you for that person that you are they're just not meant to be within your life there's six billion people in the world right why get caught up on a few that don't necessarily like how you may do something and then also with Eric when we were talking with him about Rende Progress Capital, one, I think that it highlighted that there is still that necessity out here, that there are still disadvantaged communities because I think that sometimes some can get caught up in what they see on the news, like, oh my gosh, the needle is moving. And not that it isn't moving or that things aren't different, but sometimes there is one system that is taken down and there's simply another system that's put in place. I think that with the excluded entrepreneurs that Eric spoke to, it shows that the necessity is still there and that there are those that are willing to fill it. I I thought that was absolutely amazing. Now for some of my favorite pieces of the season, I really enjoyed the episode about authenticity because it really speaks to the fact that in, in my mind, You can't truly get that inclusive and equitable society or workplace without first recognizing the need for authenticity. If I don't feel comfortable coming to work as myself, I don't feel included. That's Mm -hmm. what that kind of boils down to. So for them to really have that conversation about authenticity and authenticity goes from image to my internals, how I speak, how I choose to address things or how I choose to look at things because all of that, our perspective, all of those things are authentic to us as people. So I really enjoyed that episode and talking about the fact that sometimes it's not always what somebody fully thinks about you, but sometimes it's our perception of what that may be. And that comes from 
the way that we were taught, the way that we saw things happen, the fact that media plays a huge piece, a huge part in our understanding of things. And like, let's say you were raised by your grandparent, then those are teachings that they are probably still relevant today, but they may need to be evolved a bit. Even when I was, you know, as I talked about OU, when I was coming into college, I had my own preconceived notions and prejudice about different things, but it took me being around all different types of people to really truly understand that, okay, this some things aren't necessarily like what they are. That doesn't mean that I may not run into them, but let that wall down a bit. And if I do run into it, like I said, it's six billion people in the world. It's okay. You know, if that one person feels how they feel, that's that's just how they feel. Um, I can choose to have a conversation with them about it or choose to keep it moving. So, sorry, I'm very loquacious today. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. It's all good. When I was reflecting back on the season, I think the celebrating Pride Month with CU Pride and the Sala Center was one that stuck in my mind. Their episode was super educational, but at the same time, it was so powerful to see them, you know, celebrate Pride Month. But it also sparked this continued learning in me. I feel like after they recorded, I wanted to get on my computer and start researching some of the things that they were talking about. And it sparked reflection on my own identity and really learning what the word intersectionality means that this diversity piece is so complex and there's multiple facets that could be just in one person's identity that we don't really see just looking at someone. So I really enjoyed learning more about that and researching more and then seeing the growth that has happened with the Sala Center and the really important work that they are doing and the services that they're providing for the community. I highly recommend following them on social media to see what they're doing in the Lansing area. But I really like that. And then it made me think too, I think remembering Taylor Moberg talking about and it relates to that statistic of that 75% of people that you talked about, Devante, are looking for companies that are doing things to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive. But I remember Taylor kind of talking about how you gotta dig a little bit deeper because there are some companies that on the front of it might seem like they're doing those things, but what are their policies? Do they have any anti-discrimination policies within their workplace? What do they do when these situations happen? Because I still feel like there's fear out there. You know, unfortunately there's people who are afraid of changes and they're afraid of things that are just outside of their normal little first person world. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because another statistic, there's a company called um, Weber Shenwick and they are a public relations company. So they do an ongoing survey of employees and things like that. And 46% of the respondents to this survey say that their company says all of the right things about DEI, but does not do what they say. So just like you all said earlier, it's very important for us to not just talk the talk, so not just have conversations about this, but really look at policy change, really look at what it is that we're doing. And I think that so many people are so afraid to 
it's a it's a right or wrong type of thing when and sometimes in actuality it's just that it needs to be changed and that's it we don't have to debate endlessly about who was right or wrong about all of this of course depending on what the situation is but you know companies that have been open for 50 years it it should look different than when you opened 50 years ago right. not just size mm -hmm. not just the amount of employees but policy changes and things like that that should be different now because things have to evolve and i think that would be a great question to ask if you're interviewing for a job is how have your company policies evolved or changed over the years and see what they say and reflect on that and see if one of those does involve DEI because again it's constantly evolving um, and we need to grow with it and if they're not also growing in that facet then it's leaving groups out of the conversation so just like how you know when we're talking about being our true authentic selves and being vulnerable. I think companies really need to have a certain sense of vulnerability too mm -hmm. and realize their areas of opportunity as well to be able to not only inspire those conversations to be had, but to also reflect on what can we do to, like we said earlier, encourage, embrace, and drive change. And I'm so glad that our CEO and everyone with upper management and downward, really, we're fully embracing this to see what we can do on all levels to be able to keep up. Like I said, that vulnerability needs to happen in all facets of any company. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, so at the credit union, we have professional development every year that we take part of, and some of them are required to take, you know, you have to keep up on our credit union products and services, but then we also get the chance to kind of choose, you know, things that are interesting to us that can help us grow professionally, because another one of our core values is to pursue growth and development. So I was actually in a training and I believe we were talking about identity and our learning talent development team does a great job beginning these trainings, kind of setting some guidelines. And one of the things that I hadn't really thought about before that kind of connects to this DEI journey that everyone is on is that recognizing that as humans, we have the ability to change, right? So if I have a friend or a family member who's kind of been stuck in a mindset that maybe I don't agree with or... I don't feel like is that inclusive. Being able to recognize that they have the potential to change and that when they do make that change, they're not that old person that they were gonna be. And I think that's kind of what the DEI journey is about. And I remember Amanda Denny talking about this too, one of those first episodes in the season, there has to be a space for mistakes to happen because a lot of growth comes from those mistakes and not looking down on someone who makes that mistake, letting them have that time and that space for them to be able to grow and understand and be open-minded. Absolutely. I love that. And it brings to mind to me the idea behind cancel culture, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is not a lot of room in today's time to have any sort of influence. And if your wrongdoings or what you're doing comes to light, then sometimes your whole legacy is canceled, right? And not to say that holding people accountable is a bad thing, because absolutely, let's absolutely hold people accountable because that is a part of the nature of DEI work, is the accountability piece. But also give people grace. Yes. Imagine mm -hmm. if you made a mistake 
and someone brought it to light and your last mistake determined now the future course of how things will go for you. I know we didn't come in here to talk about cancel culture or anything like that, but it just made me think about it. And I have a lot of conversations with people about the nature of accountability and understanding or giving people, allowing people that grace because I've done some things and I've thought some things and maybe even said some things that probably were not the most correct thing to think. But I'm glad that somebody had the fortitude to say, hey, think about it like this or think about it from a different perspective. Then at that point, it is in the person's power to change. Now, if you don't change, well, mm -hmm. then, you know, look, the, the internets will do what they need to do. Yeah. But at the same time, still allowing people and extending that grace to people. So I, I love that. And I think that something that Amanda brought to light and it made me, it was like one of those aha moments where it made me think like, okay, so what, what am I thinking within myself? So let me tell you what it is talking about the understanding of diversity and its different meanings. So diversity is not just racial or sexual orientation or socioeconomic status. It can also be physical abilities. It can be kind of diversity of thought. You may look at something differently than I may look at it. Imagine even just being a person that is very creative versus a person that is very analytical. That's a diversity in thought in the way that we may look at things. But imagine if we can all understand that we can come together and have our ideas and then boom, there are studies that show that companies that have that diversity and that inclusiveness, they are more innovative. They bring more ideas to the table and that in turn increases the bottom line. So even when we're talking about DEI, it's not just to increase comfort of your employees and things like that, but it actually does have an effect on the innovation of a company. So that was definitely something that made me think like, okay, so we have to think about this in its totality, not just what the limited view of what the media may show to you. I like that. Kind of to jump off that idea of diversity, also having that, that equity of everyone's at a different place and it's it doesn't need to be equal but bringing that you know meeting someone where they're at and giving them the environment that they need to thrive and they can be successful too and that looks different for every single individual Absolutely. and that's something that like I'm proud of the credit union because the managers that I have had working here feel more like a coach and they're like, okay, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How can we bring this up? And I know they do that for everyone. And everyone is treated in a way that they're given the tools that they need to be successful, not that the tools are the same for every single person. That makes me think about the bootstrap method. The bootstrap thought says that every person has the opportunity to pull themselves up by their bootstrap. But equity says that Lots of us don't have boots or straps. So how can we help to ensure that we give somebody all of the tools that are necessary for success in whatever it is that they're doing? But those tools look different, so I like that. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to Eric Foster at Rende Progress Capital when he was sharing with us, like the investors were like, how are you spending so many hours? Like you're losing time, you're losing money. Why are you spending so much time with these um, excluded entrepreneurs? And like the idea of 
not everyone has bootstraps, okay? This is the time I'm gonna put into this person because it is what they need. It's gonna help them be successful. And then thinking about inclusion and making people feel a part of and really fully appreciating people for those differences that they bring to the table. And I've been really sensitive to this myself for a really long time because I've been in a lot of situations where I feel like I think differently, I do things differently. And so it's been really hard for me to be vulnerable, even being like a new person on a team, you know? Allowing certain people to see who I am, even at times from in the past, you know, coming from a place that I felt like maybe didn't facilitate that. So it's been eye-opening for me Devante, like how you were talking about one of your favorites being the African-American affinity groups conversation when we were talking about being your true authentic self. It, it really made me think, you know, how can I bring that to the table? And I found that as I was more authentic with my team and allowing them to see more parts of myself, I saw that come back. I saw that be met with gratitude for being who I am. And then sometimes just me reaching out to give opportunities for people to do the same. I feel like that was an area where I learned a little bit and was able to grow as a person where I would just randomly reach out to some of our team members on the team and be like, hey, how you doing? What's going on in your life? And, and truly mean that with all genuine sincerity and asking that question. and people came back with that tenfold and were like, thank you. Thank you for truly asking me how I'm doing today or what's going on in my life. And I hope that as we continue to have these conversations and continue to exemplify those mannerisms that we've learned, that it will open so many more doorways for us to be able to just be honest with each other, to learn what our strengths and weaknesses are. And then, like you were saying, Amanda, just kind of facilitate that and allow everyone to continue to grow both personally and, and professionally. So with what you all have learned throughout this season, I think that one of the biggest impressions that was made on us is how necessary it is to be a change agent, right? Mm -hmm. um, that was what Glenn McIntosh said. And if you could give someone a takeaway on how to start that journey of being a change agent, what would that be? I personally really liked what Glenn said when he said, look at the people closest to you and consider that group. Because for me, when he said that, I reflected on that in that moment and then for a really long time, personally, after. And I realized how small my inner circle was. And even just being on the podcast and spotlighting DEI itself, it, it made me realize like, wow, I have a lot of opportunity for growth and for learning. Because again, I see myself as being an open-minded person, but there is still a lot that I don't understand how we got to some of the places that we're currently at and what I can learn from that. And then for me being able to, you know, join those groups, those different affinity groups and have those conversations and continue the conversation, I think allows me to gain more perspective and allow me to be a better coworker, a better ally, a better parent, even as we've talked about, just helping my children to understand that, you know, everyone's different and that's okay. And how do you embrace who someone is and allow them to share what they're good at and, you know, lift them up rather than hold them back because of those differences. So 
I think for me, it was really just how can I become involved? What can I do as an ally to be supportive? So for me, it's been, you know, taking trainings that we have in the credit union that facilitate my becoming my true authentic self and showing that at work. And then also trying to get involved, like what affinity groups can I become a part of? And how can I help support my community in my area? I think we had a very similar kind of experience. Since it, like I remember Glenn saying, it starts by looking at your circle, your closest community. And I did the same thing. I like thought about it for a long time after the episode. And I feel like mine's probably, my circle's probably even smaller than yours. <laughs> yeah, keep a pretty small circle. Um, but I think for me, learning has always been something that has been really important to me. So I've been trying to read a ton of different books from all different kinds of diverse authors. And then on a surface level, like following different people on social media, you know, like black creators, indigenous creators, creators in the LGBTQIA plus community, you know, really surface level, like trying to expose myself to that, learning from them and reading their posts. And then something that's been hard that I'm trying to do is having those really uncomfortable conversations, especially with people, you know, like my family. I feel like my family still has a lot to learn and it's hard to have those conversations that are really, really uncomfortable and vulnerable, but I'm taking baby steps. Like I'm trying to have these conversations, you know, with my neighbor, with my partner Kurt and kind of starting smaller and then trying to be that good ally and even you know trying to address these comments that I hear around me that don't sit well in my gut instead of being silent trying to do that I can't tell you I've been super successful at it but that's kind of where I'm at right now with my process of being a better change maker I love that especially the piece about having those hard conversations with our close people. So even in examining your close circle, although, you know, it may be necessary to add a few people that can bring that diversity of thought to you and things like that, but also examining how you can better your circle as it is. How can I talk to people about these necessary things or how can I have those conversations with them? So I love that. I think mine would be the understanding of respect. And that's something like when I'm having these conversations, these hard conversations with family and things like that, you don't always have to understand it, but choose to respect it. Yes. If I tell you what my pronouns are, and you may not think that those are the correct pronouns, it's on you to educate yourself. It's also on you to respect me enough to say, okay, I got you. And that is how I will address you. Because who wants to lose close people in their lives all because you can't wrap your mind around it? Why? Why do you feel it's something that you have to wrap your mind around? And if you have questions, then ask those questions and be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. I think listening is a super important piece of understanding differences is be willing to, to listen and have an open conversation and to allow experiences and new education and learning to really penetrate your heart and really feel that. So 
I think that respect is just super important. Respect and education and really trying to examine who are the close people in your life and how can I be a better person? How can I be a better ally? How can I be a better ally for communities that I don't even belong to? Mm-hmm. I think that myself, like I can get so caught up in things that may be going on with African-Americans around the world and particularly in this country. And then what is going on with individuals that are within the LGBTQIA community, right? Because those are two things that I identify with. But what about the other things that are going on, right? What about other indigenous people? You know, when Asian American, when all of this has, you know, come to light, those causes, those fights, they're just as important. Let's not put a hierarchy on the causes or the the, the fights and things like that. Yes, there are some things that require more of our immediate attention when it comes to the understanding of DEI and different communities, but at the same time, just because you're focusing or you have an understanding of this, you don't have to totally disclude this. Right. Um, I was watching a talk show and one of the, it's three generations of women on the show and they were having a conversation about what the relation sometimes is between African-Americans and Asian-Americans and how that dynamic can change and what that kind of looks like sometimes. And I, you could see the person that really had kind of the, the issue or thought process was kind of stuck in what their experiences were. You can see the light bulb go off that by the end of the episode, they were like, wow, so why would I treat you like I don't want to be treated? Right. You know, if we really think about that golden right. rule that we've, a lot of us has been taught since, mm-hmm. you know, birth, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, let me treat you how I want to be treated. You know, would I want somebody saying hateful things to me? Would I want somebody thinking hateful things about me? No, probably not. So how can I change that? And I think w- within that comes all the other things that you need to do, so. And I think it's so much about just having the willingness Right. Mm-hmm. It starts with the willingness to have the tough conversations, to be quiet in that moment and listen and learn and reflect. Because if you're talking, you already have your mind made up about something. So if you're talking, like ask the question that you're afraid to ask, even if it's an uncomfortable one. We're talking about brave spaces. Utilize those spaces and be in those moments to get it out but then get quiet and listen so you can internalize what that person is telling you and taking in their experience to come to your understanding with it. Even if it's just a matter of, like you said, Devante, I don't have to understand it. I'm just going to leave it at respect then because that really sometimes at the end of the day is all that it's about. And then how can you move forward with it and be a support to that person, even if it is just respecting that person. So I think I have the perfect quote for us to end with. And it goes like this. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. That is from Barack Obama, our 44th president. And when I tell you I keep that quote around me because it's so true, We are absolutely the change that we want, and we can do it.
Love that. I mean, it reminds us it's our responsibility, mm -hmm. right? Like, what are we going to do moving forward? How can we be those change agents? How can we support one another? How can we continue to have those conversations and create those brave spaces and, and keep it going? And I'm thinking about the fact that I'm a parent to two small little people and that's part of one of my many responsibilities as an ally and a change agent is to grow them with that understanding that that power is also in their hands and what are they going to do with it and you know to open their eyes to these differences and to the hardships that people face because if we don't know those hardships, like really ignorance is the thing that is gonna fight us the most. So if we can overcome some of that and have our eyes be wide open, that is gonna be what creates that change. That's my takeaway from that, Devante. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's yeah, powerful. I love that quote. While you're reading that, I was thinking of like, we have everything inside of us that we need all of that potential and that growth is in there somewhere and we just need to do the work to bring that out and to be part of that change it's all inside of us it's not in someone sitting next to me it's all inside of me i love it all right y'all i'm i'm a little emotional here so now it's time for the cu spotlight MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union don't just sponsor this podcast. We believe in investment in the community. We have recently established another way of helping, the Dust Drawer Fund, a foundation supporting the MSU FCU and OU Credit Union communities. The Dust Drawer Foundation focuses on five philanthropic pillars, arts and culture, stable housing, empowering youth, financial education, and fostering entrepreneurialism. If you'd like to learn more about the foundation or donate, please visit DestroyFund.org. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Kahn, Devante Montgomery, and me, Lindsay Morgan. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial48.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.